There are a whole lot of podcasts out there that tackle entrepreneurship, but not many address what entrepreneurship actually looks like inside of a marriage. So today on the show, I'm bringing on a very special guest, my very own husband, to discuss the fascinating dynamic that entrepreneurship has brought to our marriage. So before I dive in, let me just give it to you by the numbers, okay? My husband, Kyle, and I have been married for 23 years. We have two kids who've literally only ever known us to be on uh, business owners or entrepreneurs. Of course, we both have had stints as employees working for other people, but very quickly, we found our way to entrepreneurship. Kyle, actually faster than me, as he's always been an entrepreneur in some form or fashion. But for the past 13 years, Kyle has owned and operated a very successful coaching and consulting business, helping organizations, executive leaders, and teams develop and grow, both personally and professionally. His company is called MindFit Coaching, Inc., and it's actually the parent company to Light Beamers. So when I started my business seven years ago, I leaned on the expertise of my husband as a thriving business owner. Now, behind the scenes, we help each other so much. And inside our conversation on the show today, we share with you, and I think you'll learn a few key ways in which we've been able to make a marriage and entrepreneurship work. Chances are, if you have an entrepreneur in your family or you yourself are an entrepreneur, you will really appreciate these key dynamics that we share. We opened up a lot to share about what have been some of the best parts about having a spouse as an entrepreneur and, you know, honestly, what have been the not so great parts too. We talked about how Kyle has used a completely different strategy to grow his business and why he is always my toughest client. And we talk a lot about our core values and how they are a driving force behind every decision we make. And what you really might like learning is more about how we structure our weekly meetings and what we discuss when we sit down together as both husband and wife and co-CEOs. So I hope you enjoy this conversation on marriage and entrepreneurship as much as we love recording it for you. Hi, I'm April Adams Pertwee. I'm your host of the Inside Story podcast. I've been telling people stories my entire adult life as a broadcast journalist, video producer, and digital storyteller. These days, you can find me at Light Beamers, where I'm building a community of women who are ready to step into their brave by sharing their story with the world. On the Inside Story podcast, I'm bringing you some of the best stories I'm discovering from both the women inside of my community, as well as from around the streets of the internet. Plus, I'm digging deep to share some of my own stories with you along the way. My hope is that these stories will help encourage you to examine your own story so that you can share it with other people. I have a motto at Light Beamers. When we share our stories, we shine a light. So with that in mind, let's get down to business today and share the light found in this episode. This episode of the Inside Story Podcast is brought to you by the Storytelling Symposium. This is our community-wide annual event where we bring men and women together from all sectors of life to discuss what does it look like for you to step into your brave and share your story. I talk to so many women every day who think their story doesn't matter. It's not important. It's not big enough. It wouldn't make an impact. 
or they know they have a story, but they just have no idea where to start and figuring out how to share it. This is exactly why I created the Storytelling Symposium. This special event is an opportunity for you to come and learn more about how to excavate the layers of your own story and how to give your story meaning and impact. We are all walking around with a story to share, yet so often women play small. They keep quiet and they let other stories just pass them by. So the symposium is your opportunity to step into the power of your story and to be surrounded by the most amazing speakers and guest teachers, as well as other attendees as we workshop together, we network, we share stories that will help empower you to step into your brave with your own story. This is a storytelling event like no other. It is seriously like our Super Bowl event of the year, and it's especially curated with you in mind. I am lining up the most powerful speakers who will both inspire and encourage you to step into your brave and the people lining up next to you that will be sitting next to you at the event will also be your cheerleader. So I invite you to join us for our next event, which is September 25th and 26th. 2022 in San Antonio, Texas. Not only do I promise you'll discover new ways to use your story, you'll also fall in love with the San Antonio cuisine and culture and community. And yes, there will be plenty of guacamole and tacos, I can assure you. So for more information on the 2022 storytelling symposium known as Step Into Your Brave, go to lightbeamers.com and click on the events tab in the top navigation bar and there you will find everything you need to know about this year's symposium event. Be sure to reach out to me if you have questions. You can find me at april at lightbeamers.com or of course, hit me up on the social media channels, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. I'm at lightbeamers and I would love to hear from you. And most importantly, I hope to see you in San Antonio for our storytelling symposium in September. Hello, 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 Light Beamers. How are you all today? We're so happy that you're here. I have in the hot seat with me a surprise guest, and that is my husband, Kyle Pertwee. Today, we are going to be talking about marriage and entrepreneurship. For those of you who do not know, um, Kyle does not make very many appearances with me in the forefront of this business, but he has a huge supporter and um, creator behind the scenes that really has taught me so much about entrepreneurship and building uh, building my brand and my business at Lightbeamers. He has his own coaching consultancy agency called MindFit Coaching that he has had for how long now? How many years? 13. 13 yeah. years, which I'm going to let you share a little bit of your story too how you even got into entrepreneurship and um, what that looked like leading up to you building MindFit Coaching. Sure. But anyway, I just thought this would be really fun. We've um, we've had some time off over the last couple of weeks. Um, Kyle actually had uh, surgery on his ACL and we have been, <laughs> we've had a lot Stuck of, together. we've had a lot of together time over the last couple of weeks. And of course we're wrapping up this weekend with it being July 4th at the time of this recording. So we thought it would be kind of fun to, um, to just get in front of the microphone today and record an episode for the Inside Story podcast and give you a true inside story on what it is like for us 
being a married couple who are two entrepreneurs in the household, um, by and large running our businesses together. And thought we would just kind of chitty chat about that for a few minutes. I've written down some questions that we kind of thought about ahead of time. And I'm going to start with, I'm going to start first with you just giving everyone um, a little bit of background into your journey into entrepreneurship. You've been an entrepreneur for pretty much as long as I've known you mm -hmm. and what that has looked like for you over the years and really how that's all been poured into what you do now in my big coaching. So, because not everybody in the audience knows you, you're like this silent partner <laughs> behind the scene over here at Light Beamers. Uh, yeah, well, I, I guess um, it, if you ask people in the family, it dates back to being in high school and helping write business plans for my parents when they were working on big dreams and, and things they were were involved with. And I think just over time, probably the rebellious nature of me not wanting to answer to other people is what led me down a path when everybody was graduating college and going to work at, at all of the 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 big consulting firms and whatnot and putting on suits and ties. And I had no interest in doing that. So um, I'm thankful that people do don't get me wrong, but uh, that just wasn't my path. And so I probably took a, a harder road. Um, I learned a heck of a lot um, partnering uh, for the nine or 10 years that I did when we were in the Carolinas was certainly a lesson in, in many big wins and, and probably some substantial losses uh, not not just uh, necessarily financially, but just um, emo emotionally, professionally, those types of things. But we looked at now and see how that's evolved into huge victory, right? And so um, I think coming out of that, without going into the details of, of, of that story, um, realizing how important it was, number one, to connect back with core values, number two, to really try to connect with you hear people talking about their why and their purpose and their passion, but really looking at that from the inside out and understanding who I was. Right. And, um, and then making a choice about, well, how, what do I want to do with these things that I think are strengths? And so that's what led me down the path of, of the coaching and training and consulting that, that I'm doing now. And so I think, um, yeah, I think part of that process, one of the stories I tell is in 2009, when I decided to leave my partnership, one of the first things I did was make a list of about 10 people that probably over the, the, the previous five years had had an impact on me in one way or another, a significant impact. In I think seven of the 10 on that list were in some type of coaching, counseling, mentoring type of role um, that took an interest in not, not just in me, but in potential that I had, right? And so, um, seeing that, seeing what I had been successful at and growing the business I was involved with is what really led me into exploring the world of coaching. And at that time they were like, oh, well, you need to get certified. And I was like, okay, I'll go, go get certified. I have plenty of time. And doing that kind of in parallel with taking on a, a consulting job, I think affirmed my, uh, my confidence. Um, wasn't easy on the family with all the travel, but um, I think it opened my eyes to a world of a business that I had never been involved with, right? I mean, it's one thing to grow a hospitality company. It's another thing to be working with people that run Cessna airplane dealerships and have huge plumbing companies and run a family-owned lumberyard and glass companies. I mean, it's just industries I never would have probably ever been involved with. And so I think understanding that people are what make that machine run and not necessarily the specifics of an industry. Um, and I think that's what we've carried forward. 
I don't know if I followed the story arc real well there, but you know, <laughs> yeah, well, such as me. Uh, one thing that is so true about you is that you're always going to be my toughest client. <laughs> <laughs> I promise. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, that actually leads me into one of the things that I, there's so many things I want to talk about, but one segueing off of that is um, you and I have built our businesses completely different. I mean, you've had a huge influence on me in terms of business and teaching me business. I, you know, did not start out as an entrepreneur as early as you did. Like I said, I, you've been an entrepreneur for the pretty much ever since I've known you. I always knew you would have your own business and run your own business in some capacity. I knew that's what I was signing up for more or less um, in marrying you. I don't think I fully understood what that meant at the time because I, even though my parents were entrepreneurs, um, I don't think I fully understood what it meant to run your own business until I started doing it myself. Uh, but when I started really, and I would say specifically when I started Light Beamers, I started calling myself more of an entrepreneur and a business owner at that point, even though I'd been doing it on my own for a long time. You and I have done things very differently in terms of how we've built our business. And you know, here I am out in the public eye, I'm doing things like podcasting and a ton of social media. And I'm very, 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 very visible. And I teach visibility and all of those things, which is why I want to say you are one of my toughest clients. I'm on video all the time, like mm -hmm. all these things. And you just aren't doing uh, most of that, yeah. really. And so you've built your business a very different way. Um, and I think this is a great example, because there's you know, there is more than one way to, to skin a cat. As we say here in Texas, there's more than one way to do it. And so talk about how you've been able to build your business. If you haven't been doing it by way of social media, visibility, branding, um, networking, in terms of the online space, you're not podcasting, you don't have any assets like that. So what are you doing and what has been successful? Well, I, I mean, I, I think, um, that's there's proof that there's more than one way to, to approach this thing and, and while I think what what you share is so critical especially right now in, in where we are with um, the need for video then the the, uh, the visibility that social media gives us really at no cost or low cost right and so all of those things are great and I would encourage everybody to do that in fact you probably will see me doing more of it um, sooner than later but I, I think uh, for me, when we had our hospitality company, there were three things that we knew from a marketing standpoint to, to continue to grow. So one of them was to keep the people coming, coming, right? We had to do things to make sure the people that were coming were already coming. The next thing was when they came, we could try to do things that would allow them to spend more money, right? And then of course, the third, which is the most challenging is to try to get new people to come try you and create that loyalty. And so I think for me, I've kind of taken the philosophy that if you have people coming, you take care of those people and you do what you can. And so for me, that manifests itself from the perspective of long-term relationships. Mm -hmm. And so when I go to work with an organization or with a small entrepreneurial company, I think on average, my client, um, my client tenure, if you will, is probably seven or eight years. Mm -hmm. And so it may not be every month, every week, but it may be quarterly. But we have a relationship to where once we started and over time, they started seeing results. I started gaining more insight to how the wheel spins, to what their culture looks like, sounds like, feels like, when bodies change because people come and go, what impact did that have? What are their dreams, visions? How do they want to grow? 
So just staying connected and probably focusing more on quality as opposed to quantity of clients. And honestly, up until probably the last couple of years, um, I enjoy delivering the work. And mm -hmm. so it's manageable without going out there and blowing things out and worrying about, oh, I need to train people. And yeah, our team has grown and I want it to grow more, but I enjoy being engaged and involved directly in those relationships. And so therein lies the two things that have made me successful, word of mouth and referrals. Mm -hmm. And so I think no matter how visible you are, no matter what you're doing, you got to take care of the people that are reaching you and that will happen organically. I've been blessed that it's just happened more, more for me than, than I probably made myself visible or available for, but um, I think that's the difference. Right? So you said in the last couple of years, up until the last couple of years, you've enjoyed delivering. Does that mean you're not, what, what has changed in the last couple of years? And what do you mean by that? No, I, I love it. Yeah. And I will always continue to do it. Um, I just think with kind of the, the forced hand to move more on, more online. Virtual, um, because of just, COVID. Yeah. yeah. Right? I yeah. mean, we talked about that for years before COVID ever hit. And then when it did, it was just a matter of telling our clients, oh yeah, we can do this. And then you move in that direction and you start doing that. And that has been huge. And so now that I see that that's a vehicle for us, I don't necessarily have to be involved in all of that. And it's certainly going to be a part of learning and development for years to come. I mean, yeah. just the hybrid learning, the, the, um, the blended learning, all of those types of things that, that organizations are looking to do to continue that variety. I mean, the work from home, I think, is a, a thing that's going to be here to stay, which I also think is necessitating a need for more live, which is where I thrive. That's my sweet spot. So, um, yeah, that's what I meant by that. When COVID hit, the dynamic in our relationship greatly changed, too, because Prior to all of this, Kyle was out traveling a lot. You were, you were, you know, not every week in and out like a traditional consultant does. You weren't to that degree, but you were delivering all of your programming live with your clients on site. You were doing virtually zero virtual training at that point uh, before COVID. And we lived in a, in a smaller home that had a home office and I enjoyed that home office to myself. And then when COVID hit, you know, you came home and literally pivoted your business literally overnight and, you know, really, really thrived in that arena, like surprisingly, mm -hmm. quite honestly, that you did very well um, moving to the virtual format, even though you were virtually not set up for it. Like mm -hmm. we had to do a lot of things behind the scenes. Um, you know, I had thankfully done so much training over the years because I built my business online. I knew how to help you. And there were some certain things and, you were blessed to be facilitating with another company at the time that brought in consultants that taught you guys how to use Zoom and how to master it really and how to facilitate and you know use Zoom almost like a producer would. And so you had a lot of great training um, in the very, very, very early days of COVID and you pivoted very fast and your business continued and even really grew, you know, which is for a lot of people, that's hard. It's, you know, did, did not happen. But when COVID hit, our business grew um, because we were ready and could take on those virtual trainings. But the dynamic with us changed because you came into that small office and we put up two desks and we were in there navigating um, life and kids at home and all of those things at the same time in these really close quarters. And I think a lot of people, I don't know, maybe this is an assumption and it's a terrible assumption to make, but I think a lot of couples 
Well, I mean, look at the numbers. There's so many couples that got divorced mm -hmm. during COVID. I mean, a lot of marriages failed during COVID. That's probably to say there were some cracks in the marriage to begin with, and COVID just highlighted those cracks. But for us, even though the dynamic changed, what would you say, how would you say our marriage fared considering all of those things happening all at once and blending it with our business, like literally working together inside this tiny little office in our house to also being together so much because I had gotten quite used to you not being home. And I think you got quite used to not being home, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, like you said, I don't know. Certainly we can look at numbers and speculate that the people that, that, um, especially if, if they're working for someone, right. If they're working a nine to five and they were used to go in separate ways, whether both people in the home worked or not, or kids were off to school. And then all of a sudden, not just, we were home, everybody was home. Yeah. And so I think number one, that was easy on us from the kids perspective, because they were already used to us being home and working yeah. from home. like on a holiday, if they were home from school for teachers work service, or they knew, Hey, mom and dad are going to be in the office or, you know, stay off the second floor or whatever it was. Uh, <clears throat> so yeah, I think tight quarters, but I don't, we never really speculated and had to have all this grand design about, okay, now you're going to have office hours from three <laughs> to five and I get them from seven to midnight. And we, I think we just, we did. And I think we were good about having our weekly meetings and coordinating mm -hmm. schedules. And, and I think, I think we communicated well. Um, but I think we also just kind of left space for those times where you would say, I just need some creative. I'm going to go to the coffee shop or whatever and um so I don't know I don't know if I can pinpoint one thing is there something that you think of I think well one thing I think that you pointed out is um is our communication I think that's one thing that we've always done and that's probably not surprising maybe because I'm in the communication business and I hope I do that pretty well and you do that very well you're a good communicator um and that's one thing that has helped us is that we're we're pretty quick to communicate with each other about our needs. I mean, sometimes maybe not as quick as we should be, but overall, we don't hold that stuff in. We do just say, hey, look, this is what I really need. And it, you know, nothing personal, nothing against you, but this is just, this isn't working for me, or I need more of this or whatever it is. And I think that is something that we did and continue to do quite well. I think the other thing that you pointed out is that we do, we have these weekly meetings and actually we, we have recently kind of fallen off the wagon and we're get, we've gotten back to them. As long as you've been an entrepreneur, probably as long as ever since you went through that huge transition and left your first business that you had started with your partners that, you know, went sour and all of that went away. And there was a lot of loss and change during that time to starting your consulting and your coaching business, MindFit Coaching which is now, like you said, 13 years ago, we got into a habit mainly because we had to at first, like we, um, we actually went through a really horrible IRS audit and we were having to get into our numbers and we were having to meet regularly to, I mean, that was like a two-year ordeal over when we were going through that IRS audit, which is a whole nother story we won't get into, <laughs> but we survived it. Um, but I mean, something like, again, when really bad things like that happen, sometimes really good things come out of it. And I think that's when we started really just like, hey, we got to we got to meet weekly so that we make sure we're on the same page. And so let's talk a little bit about what our weekly meetings look like, because 
we are talking business on those during those weekly meetings we usually would have them like on a sunday but we're also talking like financial plans and you know um dreams and goals like vacations we're talking about kids schedules and family commitments um needs you know communicating our needs i think that 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 weekly time that we dedicate to updating where are we in the business and also looking at where are we as a family is something that we bring to this marriage and entrepreneurship that allows us to really thrive quite well. Wouldn't you say? Yeah. Well, and I, and maybe there's something in that as far as why when everything kind of shifted on a um, second's notice a couple of years ago, because we are entrepreneurs, we know that our entire family depends on every step that we take. Right. And so I think there, there's a difference when someone wants to start a business and they're doing some things, but there's this safety net, right? They're not worried about paying rent or mortgage or whatever. And I I say, go for it, right? If you got the safety net, go ride, but don't let that deter you. But sometimes the mindset shifts when we can make it optional, right? Yeah. Oh, I don't want to make that call or it's too much, or I'd rather go have tea or whatever. And so when you're all in, you're all in because I can guarantee you, I'm not going to look for a job. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure that she's not either (laughs) at this point. So I think when you know that we don't have to speak it because it doesn't come from desperation. We know that, that if we keep putting good, good word and good work out there, that it's going to continue to come back. And so I think whether it's sometimes more you or more me, um, I don't know, but we, we figured that out. So I forgot the question you asked me. Well, just, you know, what making that work, oh, the meeting. meetings. Yeah. 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 So I think it, it's, it is exactly what, what you said. It's the time for us to come together and communicate. And, you know, we, we both started reading that book. Um, uh, Love is free. Guac is extra. By Oh my gosh, a, you guys, that's a great book. Uh, Mar- Marty, Marty, Moran. Marty Moran. Yeah. So he he's was, the CEO yeah. of Chipotle, right. And a great, just a great story, but he talks about this period of time when he actually was co-CEO with, I think it was Steve, the guy that started the concept. Um, he was a chef and um, that whole concept to me, co-CEO is something that I think actually, even with April not talking about it is the way we approach our businesses. We're one business, but we're two very different paths with mm-hmm. that business. Um, but like she said, we support each other and we brainstorm and we talk about things behind the scenes that support both because it's all under one, one thing. So I think the co-CEO approach, which as you can imagine in a large organization could be very challenging because ego can be involved. Um, decision-making is shared. There's a lot of different things that had to go into that. So he talks about some of the challenges of even considering doing that, much less going ahead and doing it. And so I think we probably do that without even really, we're obviously wearing those that title, mm-hmm. but I think because all of the elements that a CEO has to look at in running a business are things that we both do. I may look at the strategy from a financial standpoint more than you do and have more um, direct interaction with the CFO or bookkeepers or whatever. But at the same time, I think when we're thinking strategy or we're thinking personnel or whatever it might be, I think it's, there's a mutual discussion or at least hey, I'm going to do this and the support is there or there's a question that says, hey, what what is that going to do, right? Yeah, 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 that's really good. That book is so good, you guys. It's called 
Love is free. Guac is extra. Yeah. Love is free. Guac Just is like extra. Chipotle. Yeah. Chipotle guy. Marty Moran. Excellent book recommendation. We have loved um, reading that book. Yeah. There's a lot of really good things about that. Um, okay. So a couple of questions that I want to ask you that you get to answer for our listeners. And then ask you. You can ask me yeah, too. Okay. Yeah. I wrote these down. What's the best part of having both of us be an entrepreneur and be married, like to have two entrepreneurs in the family. Cause like you just pointed it out, like we got to be all in. And if we don't make it, then the kids aren't going to eat dinner that night. You know, <laughs> like there's no groceries to buy or whatever. And so a lot of times we find entrepreneurs, you'll find one in the marriage, but it's very, it's a little bit more rare to find two entrepreneurs in the marriage because it is, it is a high risk uh, you know, it's a roller coaster ride some days. So, what is the best part of us both being an entrepreneur in your mind? It's just a roller coaster. That's why you're at a roller coaster. <laughs> it's a lot I of mean, fun, there, right? There's no BS in that. I mean, I think that to be an entrepreneur, you have to have the stomach that can handle that. And I think over time, you have learned to appreciate that ride. But I think some some of that volatility is when one of us is up and the other one's down we can use the energy and bring each other back up and, and get the momentum to, to sway. And so uh -huh. I think, you know, it's, there's a kind of a constant, how do we both stay, you know, up there, but it, it works. And I think the, the driver for, for me, which I know is a shared value and probably a question that you have, but it's the freedom that it gives us. Um, if we don't want to work tomorrow, we don't work tomorrow, but we know that making that choice probably has a consequence, not necessarily negative. Maybe what we, maybe the consequences, gosh, we had some, you know, incredible time together while the kids were off doing something. Um, maybe the consequences, oh, you canceled six calls and three of them didn't want to reschedule. I mean, there's, there's risk associated with that, but I think the freedom of being an entrepreneur is a motivator and driver for both of us to continue to do things the way we want to do, doing the things that we love to do, which allows us to, to not see the, the, maybe the down part of the roller coaster as bad. It's just part of it. And once you learn to accept that for what it is, you don't have the emotional sway that can derail you for days or weeks or maybe months or years for some people. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely agree that having that be where we're riding that roller coaster, we tend to we tend to not be on the same ride at the same time, which is all really good, thank goodness. So if you're kind of like in that downswing, I tend to be riding really high. And if I'm in that downswing, you tend to be riding really high and we are just able to keep each other going. Um, I'm sure there's been times when we were both kind of in that lull, but I, I can't I can't honestly mm -hmm. recall it. So, I don't know. I think that's just the energy that we've been able to bring to it is that we carry each other through. And that's been, that's been one of the things that I've enjoyed too. And I'm appreciative of, and definitely the freedom, the freedom. Um, one of the things that's my favorite part is just the creativity that I get to watch us both explore. Yeah. Um, you know, our, our new friend, Alex Sharfin describes entrepreneurship or entrepreneur as someone who literally goes out into the future and sees the future and then comes back in time to present day and then creates it. So, and I think he says is crazy enough to come back crazy and, enough, and yeah. think that they're going to make that happen. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did butcher his saying. You're <laughs> right. He does say it like that. So an entrepreneur is someone that goes out into the future and sees what's possible. And then is crazy enough to come back and think that they can actually do it. And we are a little crazy in that we think that we can actually do things, but I think it's the creativity that drives me and you 
because it's fun. It's fun to create and see, well, like, what if, what if we could create that thing from scratch? I mean, you and I both have built businesses literally from scratch. They did not exist until day one. We said, okay, we're going to do this. I mean, 13 years ago, it was you saying, I'm going to do this thing called MindFit Coaching. And you went out and built a business. You know, seven years ago for me, it was, I'm going to do this thing called Light Beamers. And I went out and built a business, but they did not exist before our mind's eye could actually see into the future of what was possible. And then we were crazy enough to come back and create them. And I have absolutely loved that ride. And even, even now, I was, I was listening this morning to a podcast on my walk with our mutual friend and coach, um, George Bryant. And he was talking about, you know, part of like, well, a big part of running a business is not staying stagnant. So what worked two years ago may not be what's going to work right now. And probably in most cases, what worked two years ago isn't going to work right now because that's just really the nature of how fast things are changing in our world and we always have to be on top of it. And at some, sometimes that feels exhausting and overwhelming. Like sometimes I'm like, oh, I don't want to go like keep adapting and changing. You know, I, you finally get some things working and you just want to be able to kind of ride and coast for a while. But in reality, we would get bored. Mm-hmm. You know, we would get bored if we did that. And so I actually love the fact that we constantly get to ideate and create. Like I literally just launched a brand new program this past month and I had an idea. And within two days, I had the thing launched. And within about two weeks, I had the entire program filled. And it was a, it was a significant uh revenue builder, you know, like it was something that now I'm going to be able to, to recreate and produce over and over again. And it's, well, it's great know. value. It's needed. Yeah. You know? I mean, so it, just, you it problems, just was so cool. Right? Yeah. It was just fun to create that, you know? So that's one of my favorite parts of us both being an entrepreneur is seeing us tap into our creativity and have a lot of fun with it. Um, okay. So what's the worst part of us both being an entrepreneur? What's the downside? Cause you, we got to reveal the real inside story. Cause like shit ain't always pretty. You know what I'm saying? Like sometimes this stuff is hard. So what's the worst part in your mind, um, in your opinion? Well, I mean, I guess one of the, th- one of the, the good things, bad things is uh, now that the world's opening back up, I'm traveling again. And after getting used to being at home, I mean, I think being away from the family is, is a huge value of mine is, is harder to go back into that. Um, uh, I, I maybe watching, watching each other when we're down, mm-hmm. right? Because you see, most of the time we see this, this high energy drive and go and we're doing things and the creativity's there and the freedom's there and the, the noise elevates to where now that we don't share an office, I can hear some people all the way in my office and probably vice versa. But um, I, I think when we hit those lulls, that's hard to see. And we're like, oh, I wonder, you know, what do we got to do to get this one turned around? But, um, you know, and I, I think maybe at the point where we are in our businesses, some of the, the challenge, because we're right there in that, in that, I think, piece where scaling is so mm-hmm. important if we're really going to grow to the level that I think we can. And that that's out of a comfort zone because it's comfortable right now. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying by any means it's, it's on easy street, but I wouldn't want to take that for granted, but it, it's coasting and we could probably do this much pretty consistently as long as we wanted to work, but we know there's more. And I think that's the sticking point. And it's like, how, uh, 
you know, how much further do I want to go? Because that's the reminder that it's as probably going to be as challenging of work as it was when we started, right? The thing that we forget about is we've already done it once, you know, mm -hmm. so we have all of that to take with us as we look at pushing it over this next mountain. And so um, I guess those are the things that swirl in my hair. I don't, I, maybe it's silly, but I, I don't worry about us. I don't worry about the family. I don't worry about those things. But like I said, I, I made that choice a long time ago that if I'm going to do this, I've got to be able to stomach and, and deal with the things that come with it. And worry is not going to help. <laughs> right? I say you can crap in one hand and worry in the other one and see which one fills up first, but it doesn't do any, any good. I'm laughing because I'm polar opposite from him <laughs> and I worry a lot. And so I think that's the worst part of being both of us being entrepreneurs for me personally. <laughs> oh my gosh. I have to really, really, really work on my mindset um, all the time. Like all the time. I worry. I do. I guess, I don't know if it's just the mother in me. like chronic though. I want to make well, sure I used to everybody be chronic. knows she's, I used to, she's not Okay, but let's, but I used to be. Well, I'm better. Way better. I'm way better. Way better. But it still exists. And I think that. Um, I think that's normal though. I mean, I worry about things outside of the business, right? Like I worry about the kids. Yeah. I got one kid at camp that's been there for six weeks. And now I think he hates me because he doesn't <laughs> want to see him. I know he doesn't. I know he doesn't hate me. But, but I was sure happy to get the other one home because I worry about her too. Yeah. I worry about her when I put her to bed. I know. You know? So that's just. We're just, this, you worry, we're just but you don't, it doesn't, it just, your worrying doesn't, you don't wear it on the outside and I don't see it as much. And so therefore I think that you just, you, you have that strong stomach mm. that I, I haven't quite developed uh, fully. Like you said, I'm, I'm much, much, much better, but it is, I'm just saying, you know, that's my honest answer as to what the, what the worst part of us both being an entrepreneur, there are just days that I I don't really wish it because I don't, I would definitely not want the trade-offs of one of us working full-time for a boss. Uh, oh my God, I do not want that. So I'm not speaking that into existence at all. But there are times when I yearn for security, security quote unquote, quote, security. unquote like air quote security, because right. really it doesn't exist anywhere. And there's only really. Well, you're creating it. We're, we're, we are creating it. But anyway, the, the worry is probably one of mine. But well, so here, here's the thing. And um, so the, <laughs> this actually this morning, a, a, a recording podcast Monday or what is today Monday, Monday motivation thing was forwarded to me from Facebook. And I don't want to get his name wrong because I just met him this morning. But Michael, Michael Whitehouse. Michael Whitehouse. Anyway, to paraphrase something that he said was talking about freedom being independence day and those kind of things. And it's a reminder. And I, I use similar language in, in everything that I deliver, but we have to remember that the first place to achieve freedom is in our own minds. And if we can't do it there, we're not going to experience it anywhere. And so we can take that into our military and all the people that made the huge sacrifices to go out and blaze a trail to create the freedom that we all take for granted, whether you like to hear that or not, we do. But they made a choice and that was them saying, I'm going to put fear aside and I'm going to go do this thing because this is how I can create freedom for myself doing something that I know is valuable and important. And in doing that, now look at where we are this many years later. And so um, I think that and, and recognizing opportunity are things that help kind of pull us through some of that worry and fear. 
Well, you just alluded to it again. Um, freedom is our, both of our top core value. Mm-hmm. Um, well, one of our top core values, sure. I can't say it's our top, but um, we have a list of core values that we have talked about over the years and we have formed and uh, put them together. And so, um, you know, faith, family, and freedom are the top three. There's some other ones, of course, but faith, family, and freedom are definitely our top three core values and having freedom be something that we put so much emphasis on um, has helped us, I think, navigate this entrepreneur world because we embrace it. We embrace it. We seek the freedom. We're appreciative of it. It's something that means so much to us. We both have worked for people in the past. Um, Neither one of us really lasted there very long, but when in times in our careers over the lifespan of our careers, we've had times when we have worked for a boss and we, we did not like it. We were, that was not our mode of operation. And, um, so really leaning into that core value is, um, is so important. So you teach on core values. This is something you bring into your coaching clients and your consulting when you're working with large organizations and everything. Um, if someone wants to, kind of go on that journey to anchor down into their core values, what's something you would tell them to do? I would, I would tell them to actually stop and consider them because mm-hmm. it's not like you get a class in high school or college of values 101. And so values are learned. They're taught to us by a variety of people that have an impact on our lives. And if we don't stop to consider what ours are, especially as adults, we may be carrying around fear-based values, right? Because they were just implanted and maybe it's trust, maybe it's any number of things, but we have to understand and own our values and also remember that values go two directions, right? So if trust is a core value, it's not about, I better be able to trust you. You've got to illustrate the fact that you're trustworthy. And so we forget that. I think when we think about values is that we can have all these values we want to impose on people, but do we demonstrate and hold those? And so I think values are are such a critical piece for not only us as individuals, but as businesses, because it's the foundation. It's, It's the answer to every single decision you will ever have to make, no matter how hard it is. If you know what those are, you, you can't go wrong by checking it against those values. And so I think right now, when we think about this great resignation and we hear all of these things that are going on in the work world and the struggles with work from home and who's coming back and mask mandates and all, you know, just all the craziness that's going on, core values are probably more important than ever for senior leaders to really get their arms around and bring life to. And I'm not talking about core values that sit on a boardroom wall, like I've seen so many times that are just there in rhetoric because they've been there for 70 years since the founders started it, bring them to life and show people and talk about that and talk about being vulnerable and talk about what they need. And, you know, it's great to be a great place to work, but make those values mean something, right? Substance over form. It's great that they're pretty and they're all in the perfect font on the wall and they look pretty with the colors, but make them come to life and and use those as guiding posts and, and drivers for, who you want your organization to be. I think that's critical, mm-hmm. right? 
how do you think that we ex we exhibit our core values in our home that way? Like if we say family and freedom, freedom, right? Well, what's the proverbial words written on a wall in our house? Do you think? I think those are definitely the top three, right? I think. We, yeah, but we, where do you think they're illustrated, or how do you think they're illustrated think, inside this home? Yeah, I think they're illustrated in the way we treat each other. I think. Um, I mean, if I break them down individually through prayer, I think through caring for each other. Mm -hmm. I think through trying to, to explore our Christian values and ask ourselves, are we in alignment with those things? And if we're not, then, then we say something. Mm -hmm. um, I think the family element is, is obvious in trying to do things together and support mm -hmm. each other. And again, when we don't, we know we're in conflict with that value and we question each other. Um, as far as freedom goes, I mean, you say send the kids to camp and we're going to go to park city for a week just because that's pretty much illustrating freedom to me mm -hmm. right so um which we did just book a trip to <laughs> park city today because <laughs> i'm sick of being at home uh, um did i just say that out loud you did uh, that's okay. i don't i, know I didn't, you don't mean, I didn't it mean it in violation me. of my family values <laughs> uh but i've been home a lot with my bum knee so yeah i think well those three i mean yeah, I think we illustrate all of them. Fitness, I think financial responsibility, um, friendship. Those are the the other three. We have a lot of Fs. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's it. And if you have values and you keep them conscious and you're aware of them, then you can be more intentional with the action that you take to support it, right? Yeah. It's when we don't think about them or somebody challenges them that then we become reactive and then we're, we're not... Um, is deliberate or intentional with what we want to do. Yeah, I love that. Okay, um, what would be the best advice you would give to another entrepreneur, whether they're just starting out or they're also in that state of transition or pivoting like we've done over the last couple of years, like so many people have had to do, but what would be some advice that you would give to another entrepreneur, not to a company, not to an organization, but to a single entrepreneur who's trying to, you know, gut it out, ride the roller coaster, have faith, ride the ride. Mm -hmm. And um, like you said, stomach it. Mm -hmm. How do well, we do that? Since we were talking about values, I would say anchor your core values. Know what they are because those are the things that'll that'll pull you through when it feels tough. Um, I would say the best that you can detach from the outcome, mm -hmm. right? I have this acronym mm -hmm. NATO, not attached to outcome. And that's, we get so caught up in having to do this, having to achieve this thing. And if you can detach from the outcome, think about the emotion that you want to experience on the other side of uh, a great quarter or a product launch, or what is it that it, that emotion is going to come? What is that going to be? And if it's achievement or accomplishment or happiness or success, and those are the things that you're like, yeah, that's what I want to feel. Well, own that emotion now and do the things that create that emotion for you right now, because you're much more likely to get to the other side of that outcome if you're feeling that way already right? Because those are the mm -hmm. things that are driving. If you say, oh my gosh, I got I to gotta knock this quarter out of the park and then we'll be set up and we're going to do this product launch and I'm just going to feel so relieved and so accomplished. And then you come back to now and you're scared shitless. It's probably not going to help you get there. And even if you do, you're going to look back and go, oh my God, I'm exhausted, right? Uh -huh. And so create the experience that you want on the other side of whatever you're trying to achieve now uh -huh. and live into that to take that action. Um, and jump, right? What's the, the, 
the um, jumping out of the plane thing that you have. There's a quote. Yeah, I, we, I wrote about that long, 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 yeah. long time ago. But when it's you, just you jump. jump out of the plane and you build your parachute on the way down. The great That's thing, what it is. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the parachute's either going to open or you're going to land you build it. and you're going to get back up. <laughs> right i mean that that's it and so um if you have the internal drive to go do something you see a problem that you can solve you see a way that you have a gift to share and help people you just got to go do it because every day you don't do it you're holding that gift back from somebody that could benefit from it and so if you take that responsibility on as an entrepreneur i guarantee you you'll get out there and be driven and motivated to do more more with it how do you think you've been able to help people the most by being an entrepreneur? Mm, I, I think um, listening to them and asking mm -hmm. questions that they don't normally ask. Mm -hmm. Which is what a good coach does. Well, and but when you can detach from that outcome or you can present things to them in a real way um about things that people don't normally talk about right mm -hmm. so when we think about conflict we think about burnout we think about how to have difficult conversations and incorporating those into any of the signature customizable programs we do i try to make it very real and use instances where like oh man yeah i dropped the ball on that i'm like yeah we all do and that's okay but learn this practice it go screw up again and then learn it again practice it and keep applying it because you can't just take soft skills and like sprinkle them on people and think it's going to change i mean it's got it's constant it's like losing weight or lifting weights or anything else we don't change our mind the rest of it's not going to change you know you started your coaching and consulting company mindfit coaching 13 years ago when i in fact the year before that you were getting your certification as a professional coach and i remember when you came home you're like i'm going to be a professional coach and i was like you mean like sports? <laughs> <laughs> what the heck is that? What the heck is that? Because this was so 13 years ago, the coaching industry was not what it is today. Um, it was not, you know, very mainstream at all. Yeah, and it was probably more mainstream than you think, but not necessarily near as visible as yeah. a billion dollar industry. I think a lot of people still just didn't know what a coach was. Like I didn't, I didn't know. A lot of people still don't. Yeah. Right. Um, what, what, how have you seen the coaching industry change and in your perspective over the last 13 years? I think everybody's a coach now in some way, shape or form. And I think um, that's fine and that's great. And I think co the coaching piece for me is more of embodiment of how I want to try to communicate with people. I'll tell people all the time, coaching is just a form of communication. Right, if you right, really right. think about the tools and the skills and the things that you learn, it is a form of communication um, that can allow us, it can allow us personally to, to grow and learn and do things different, but it certainly can empower others, which is by design in that partnership. But I think uh, for years, dating back to seventies and eighties and, and some of the brilliant leaders in this industry, like Marshall Goldsmith, a lot of times coaching was preserved just for senior level, maybe C-suite. Mm -hmm. It was a very, you know, exclusive group, or it was used as a tool, maybe from an HR perspective, when somebody was on their way out, or right. we need to get them some coaching so we can say we did all we could. Mm -hmm. um, and while there was some, sure, some success in that, many times there, there weren't. And so I think now that it, 
when you combine social media and everybody's a coach, I'm going to coach you how to make seven figures in a day. Everybody's some kind of a certain coach. Every There's a coach for everything in every organization. And so I think it's important not to lose sight of when you think about professional coaching from the standpoint of business life, executive, whatever it is, that the International Coach Federation kind of as that governing body, even though it's an unregulated industry, has a set of ethics. It has a set of um, just really guidelines that distinguish the modality of coaching from mentoring and from consulting and from Mm -hmm. therapy and some of those other things. And I think a lot of people that may not go that route don't understand it. There's a lot of telling people what to do and that's not by design what coaching is. Doesn't mean you can't coach and consult, right? If you're Mm -hmm. a subject matter expert and you're brought in to an organization, they probably expect some guidance. Um, the way I do that though, is question their choices as opposed to going, Oh no, don't do that. Put the X here. Right. Because why they'll learn more from that, having to process that gray area and come up with their own answer, or at least consider options. So, um, I think it, I think that's it. There's more people calling themselves coach now. And, uh, I mean, I think that's great, but it doesn't just have to be, I'm, I think embodying coaching is different than calling yourself a coach. Yeah. Right. So when I started Light Beamers, um, I don't, I didn't set out to call myself a coach and I'm not a certified professional coach like you are at all, but a lot of people, you know, call me a story coach. Sure. Um, and you are. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I mean, in that regard, I am, um, because I am coaching specifically on story, but, um, what would you say? So when I kind of came into the world of entrepreneurship and this vehicle of Light Beamers, And then we've been traveling this road together now for the last seven years as (laughs) co-CEOs, as you put it, and co-entrepreneurs inside this house. Um, What has been something that you have learned from me? And then I'm going to answer what's something I have learned from you. Only one thing. Oh, do you have more than one? I'm sure. I, well, I think one thing that you do tremendously well is listen at a deeper level than most people I think that come to you have, have been listened to, right? And Mm -hmm. then being able to pull that out. And I think both of us do a good job of pulling those things out and then being a mirror and holding it up for Mm -hmm. people to look at. And that alone can help prompt further thinking for them. And I think, I think you are incredible at doing that with helping people connect their story to who they are so that they can share it. Um, and I mean, that basically sounds like a pitch for what you do, but I, I think there's an intuitive piece about you that has you ask questions that many people would just miss. Mm. And that's what allows it to go to that, to that next level. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how has it helped you seeing me do that? Cause I think you're pretty good at asking intuitive questions mm-hmm. and you obviously ask good questions cause you have fabulous coach training. How is watching you helped me? Yeah. Um, what is something you've learned from me that's helped you? Well, persistence is a, is a big one. Um, I think just watching you take, take where light beamers was as really words on a page Mm -hmm. and looking at the incredible community and following that you've built and just your very genuine and authentic approach to sharing and being open and and not trying to be this visible TV personality and that's it. 
Um, it's the same, whether it's with one of the church groups or you're doing a, you know, a visibility accelerator program, it's, it's the same. And I think that's, um, that's just unique and it's important. Okay. So I'll answer the thing that I have learned the most from you is, um, well, number one, how not to worry so much. <laughs> <laughs> I've gotten a lot of good coaching uh, from you about, you know, navigating things that bring me down or things that get in my way, like my worry and some of my fear and, um, learning to rewrite those stories, literally rewrite them. And there's some big ones I've had to rewrite. Um, you know, when you, when you, um, when you did leave that first business, that was a very traumatic experience. And I've shared that story, some on this podcast and some previous episodes of, you know, just all that fear and worry that I had of us just literally starting over. Our kids were so little at the time and, and um, you were having to coach yourself, even at that point, navigating your own massive career transition, but you were very, very good at coaching me through it too. So that's one thing I've, I've learned. Um, I've also just learned a lot of business mechanics. Like you definitely have the business brain in terms of uh, strategy. I mean, I think I've learned that I'm pretty good at strategy, but I think I've learned a lot of that from you and listening to you, listening to you navigate your own clients and help guide them. Um, I ask you a ton of questions often about just economics and in just the way that business works sometimes where I don't, I don't understand how it works. You fill in the gaps and I've learned a lot about business building from you. And also having watched you, you know, like mm -hmm. you talked about earlier, like you haven't built it online. You haven't done all the ways that I've built a business, but you've done it in ways that have allowed you to have incredible longevity because you have these really powerful client relationships that keep coming back and they, they offer up referrals and you get referrals. I mean, you get referrals now from people from literally like 10 years ago, they're still coming in and it's amazing. And I, and I'm always in awe of that, of how your referral network um, has been very loyal to you, but it's because you obviously, you know, it's because you deserve it. So, um, okay. A few last questions and we're going to wrap it up. I hope you guys have enjoyed this little behind the scenes of this married couple doing life and business together. And um, marriage and entrepreneurship is, it's not something you often see titled together. You know, there's not a lot of talk about marriage and entrepreneurship. And even if there's just one entrepreneur in a household, what does that do to a marriage? Mm. It's, it's something that I think is, is kind of cool for us to talk about. And I don't know, maybe, maybe we'll do more of this because I think, um, I think there's a lot that people can, that we can share that people could, could gain from this conversation. Yeah. Um, so that's why we wanted to do the episode today. Okay. So what are you most excited about in the next six months? We're recording this in July. So literally halfway through the year and we have, you know, another half a year until this year is complete. And then we move on into a new and better year, of course, but what is something that you want to accomplish and that you have a goal in for the next six months. So you want what are you most excited about? Okay. okay. Well, yeah. What right. are you most excited about? That's what I wrote down. That was the question um, I wrote. Okay. So one personal and one business. Okay. Um, mm. The personal is <laughs> learning to walk again. <laughs> Get off these damn crutches. <laughs> um, 
No, within six months, I should be back in full swing physically. That's running. I'm excited. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, maybe not skiing until January, February, but back to somewhat normal physical activity, which as you know, has been a big mental and emotional hurdle for me um, that I'm managing pretty well. I think. Yeah. So for everyone listening, um, Kyle mm-hmm. is a avid, avid runner and just all around fabulous athlete. He's been an athlete his whole life. And he has really, by and large, never really been injured. Mm-hmm. And earlier this year, he blew out his ACL um, skiing, snow skiing in Park City, one of our favorite places. And this was the first time, first of all, first of all it's first surgery you've ever yeah. had. He's never had a surgery before until this ACL surgery. And this is definitely the longest he's ever been down from an injury. Even, even at one point you had an Achilles Achilles issue and you couldn't run for a little bit, but you were still running. Oh, that was plantar fasciitis. Plantar fasciitis. Yeah. But even with that, you you managed. It wasn't fun, but you managed. Mm -hmm. But this is definitely the longest you had to be down and will continue to have to be down while you're doing physical therapy. So that's why he says all of this, because truly, you know, exercise and running and physical fitness is well, fitness is another one of his high-level core values for sure, and his mind too. Um, but it really is one of Kyle's like mm-hmm. physical fitness is super important to him and it's how his brain gets its oxygen. So, yeah. Okay. So that's yeah, your okay, personal, personal one. Um, businesses, I just think, uh, we continue on the mind fit side of things from, uh, mm-hmm. the launch of the new website and still kind of playing with that, but having our buckets, right. From the team performance coaching to our signature programs that we've built. And then the, I mean, Two years ago, if we had three of our customizable programs, I would have been surprised. And I think we've got a dozen now that we're delivering to all types of organizations. So I'm excited about that. We're working on expanding our e-learning platforms and creating hybrid opportunities and just watching that start to come um, into full scope. And, uh, you know, by the end of this year, really having a roadmap that's going to set us up for, for scale and being able to reach more people with mm-hmm. uh with what we're taking to market is i think that's that's a big one and um a shout out to my uh, my i can't even say new team member anymore but a critical piece of the mind fit coaching brand is Susanna. and so if you're listening hi <laughs> thank you for everything that you do and felice yeah and felice no doubt um all of the support that we have there has been huge well i mean all, all of the ones even though that are primarily working specific to light beamers that's a huge help to me because I'm not having to do any of that stuff <laughs> and vice versa. Right. So, Hey, yeah. April, are you proofread this? I've got to deliver it. I, we've got somebody that does all that. I did a whole podcast incredible. episode on outsourcing because we could not do what we do and keep our marriage together and all the things that are important to us without incredible uh, support by our team members. And yeah, Diane, Christine, Felice, Susanna, um, man, they're just, it's huge. So those are going to be up and running. I mean, you already have them up and running, but now you guys have built these massive programs out. I mean, a, a, a slew, an array of programming that is now, you know, making its way into this digital platform, digital learning. That's been some of the things that we've been able to help with. And I love that so much. I'm very, very excited to see that for, for MindFit Coaching. And I'm excited to see you uh, really starting what I'm excited about is seeing how you finally, I think you, I've been saying this to you for quite some time, but I think you finally see it is how you can truly build a company 
that's scalable mm -hmm. yeah. for the first time. Because a lot of times the long part of your coaching and consulting career has been, you know, the need for Kyle to right. be there. Right. Well, and that's yeah. what we were saying yeah. earlier. Right. 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 And, mm -hmm. and you're, you're, you're really making a huge transition right now. And that's very, very exciting. Yeah. Okay. So something I'm most excited about over the next six months. Um, well, one, oh gosh, I have I, the personal one. Well, I'm going to go to the business one first because it's easier for me. <laughs> um, I'm excited in the next six months, I have set a goal um, to do more public speaking, um, to be out there more and trying to expand outside of just my online community. I obviously do a lot of talking online and speak to groups and all of that, but I'm expanding more and more and more into like getting in person with people. I've done speaking engagements, you know, not consistently, but I've done them over the years. And so the goal now is to just do them consistently. And one of the things that I'm excited about over the next six months, I referenced this program that I just launched called the Speakeasy. And I brought, you know, nine people on board with me to do that with me. Cause really it was just a program that I wanted so that I could achieve this goal. Like, I'm like, oh, I'm gonna go do more speaking over the next six months. So these are the things that I know I need to put into play. And I knew all those things, but I realized there's other people in my audience who also wanted to go do more speaking. They just didn't know what things to put into play. So as I'm rolling them out, I'm teaching them how to do it too. And it's so fun. So I'm very excited about that. And I think that's a program that's gonna be really rolled out through Light Beamers um, you know, in the coming years as well. I can see doing these speakeasy cohorts um, over and over and over again and help more women get on their voices out there, which always brings me a lot of joy. So I'm excited about doing that for myself, elevating my voice over the next six months and then beyond, and then also helping these other people do it. Yeah. Um, and then for a personal goal, one of the things that I, I don't know if it's a goal, but just one of the things that I'm really excited about over the next six months as well is not unlike yours. I mean, I'm out there, I'm, you know, running, well, I'm not running, I'm doing a lot of walking, but I actually did set a goal to run with you, um, a 5k in September, but for me, it's just really getting back into my body and feeling good about, you know, I turned 50 this year what? and for women, did you not know? No. Oh gosh, sorry. <laughs> Broke the news to you. Um, your trophy wife is not so much of a trophy wife when they start getting in there and when they start aging. Um, so I do, you know, just the aging process for me is this, like, I've been, I just want to continue to lean into it and embrace it and not let it be a negative thing, you know, to, to continue to feel good into my body, to take care of my body, to feed it really, really good, nutritious food. Um, I've cut way back on my alcohol consumption. I want to continue to do that because I mean, just don't, you know, and I've talked about these things on the podcast too, but these are just things that I am, I look forward to just getting better at that. You know, mm -hmm. I'm walking a lot, doing a lot more exercise outside, clearing my mental headspace. Yeah. Um, and I think that's just something personally, from a personal standpoint, I look forward to continuing to go deeper into that work and seeing where it takes me. Yeah. So, okay. Um, last question. I thought this, that was the last question. No, this is, no. This, this is the gratuitous question, question for light no. beamers. Okay. So uh, again, kind of behind the scenes, you see it all, you see everything really about light beamers and, and what we're doing over here. What is your favorite 
aspect of light beamers? Like when you talk to light beam about light beamers to other people, like what is your favorite? What are you most proud of? You know, what do you love the most about light beamers and all that we've created here in this space? I think um, just the, the inspirational message that so many people need to hear. And I think if you hadn't started it with that group of seven people, you know, whatever that yeah. seven years ago. Um, and I think just remembering it doesn't take a whole lot to shine a light, right? And we all have it within us. And I just, I see that and I see it. You see that by the size of the community. You see that um, with the symposium, symposium coming up in September and you see whether it was online like last year or it's live like it will be again this year and you see that 60 to 100 maybe more people just kind of come into the energy of that room mm -hmm. and knowing that they're all going to take it back out I mean that's huge right and there's a responsibility that comes with that if you're going to be a light beamer go shine your light it's not just let me be a light beamer while I'm talking or I'm on one of the calls I think if you're going to wear that shirt or you're going to be in the community, then you must embody that. And I think, I think for the most part, people do because they I, embrace I it. They, mm -hmm. they don't embrace. Yes. They embrace a community, but I think it's embracing. What does it mean? What does it mean to them? And how do they, um, how do they go then in turn and, and shine their light? Right. I'm pulling up um, one of our light beamers, Diana Delgado, who's mm -hmm. been in our community for so long since the beginning she uh, she has my personal phone number and she texted me the other day and I'm showing Kyle for the first time. And I'm a, cool. those of you that see online um, for our video, I'm showing you there. This is a picture she texted me the other day and it was her smiling so big and bright wearing her yellow light beamer shirt, the light beamer shirt that describes the light beamer noun definition. Um, and if you don't know about our light beamer shirts, you need to go to lightbeamers.com and slick and click on swag yeah. and get your light beamer gear. But, um, just having her pop up in my text message, uh, last week with take snapping a selfie of her wearing this shirt, that to me is the embodiment That's of a light beamer. Like That's she it. put it on, it was like wearing an, a piece of armor that mm -hmm. day. And she actually went on to share with me that, you know, not she was having a difficult day quite honestly there were some difficult things happening in her world yet there she was in that yellow shirt with that bright smile and that light beamer message was serving her that day and it was that was the embodiment of shining your light is remembering who the heck you are and you remember who you are when you own and honor your story and you understand that sometimes the story is a little messy and sometimes the story might have a little bit of fear and worry built in, but it's okay. That's part of the journey, but you still don't forget who you are. And when you own that fact of being a light beamer, I am a light beamer. It can help you really go do some amazing things. And so I, I totally concur with you. I think that our community and the people that have been on this show and the listeners of the Inside Story podcast and those who really identify as being a light beamer. This isn't just my brand. This is, this is something everyone else latches on to as well. And if, and if you're not using our hashtag, hashtag, I am a light beamer, start using it. I follow that hashtag and I see so many of our light beamers mm -hmm. out there using it and posting on their social media. I may not even know what's going on and I'll see that hashtag notification come up and I'll see one of our community members 
posting about something that's going on in their world their you know that day um that's you know about their story but they they proudly put that hashtag out there i am a light beamer beamer because it reminds them you know of that strength that they need that day or that they're carrying that day or yeah oh yeah i am shining my light today and it feels really really good well i think it's fun to talk about the business and the entrepreneurship but we have to also remember that light beamers wasn't started as a business no it wasn't a business it's a movement and i think when you see the way it's grown exponentially it's because of what you're just talking about. And that's what you want it. That's to what be. I wanted. A lot of cool along. things yeah. that come out of that. A lot of yeah. the, the business elements and the teachings and sharing and all that. But um, yeah, that's, that's what we want to see happen. Yeah. This was fun. Yeah, it was. Yeah. You'll have to come and do it again. I will. I, I have to go home now. You are home. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this was fun. This was fun. I would love to hear your thoughts on this. Is there anything that we shared? Um, that hit home with you or are there questions that you have about marriage and entrepreneurship if you are listening to this and you're either a part of a marriage uh, or a partnership of any kind and b one of you or maybe both of you are are entrepreneurs i would love to know what your thoughts are on marriage and entrepreneurship you know we bring our own mix to the table but i do our hope was in that sharing a piece of our story today that it might help someone else navigating this crazy world of entre- entrepreneurship. Crazy, but good. It's good, crazy. We will, we will never give it up. Um, like Kyle said, I don't think any, at any time in the future, you will find one of us working a J-O-B. Um, this is our J-O-B and we treat it like that. And it's, uh, it's been a blast. It's been a blessing. It's been something that we're extremely grateful for that we don't take for granted. We work very, very hard behind the scenes and there's so many things going on behind the scenes between the two of us that, um, that I've never really talked about. So I wanted to bring that to the forefront today. So I hope that you've enjoyed this conversation. And as always, I would love to hear your thoughts, your questions, your feedback, and you can email me april at lightbeamers.com or absolutely hit me up on the DMs on social media, um, Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn are the places that I hang out. And it's very easy to find me because you just search for light beamers and there I will be. If you're not already connected with me and following me, but please connect with me. My gosh, if you're not connected with me, please, please, please send me a message today. Like, so I love, love knowing who's out there listening. And if you and I are not connected please, please connect. I mean, seriously, send me a a message and say hello. Okay. All right. That's it. That's it for this episode of the Inside Story podcast. Uh, You're probably going to hear somewhere in here. I'm going to play a little promo and a reminder about our storytelling symposium. Get your tickets now. Yes, get your tickets. So um, pay attention to that whenever it plays on this episode and go get your tickets, lightbeamers.com slash symposium, or just go to lightbeamers.com com and go to the events tab up at the top navigation bar and find out more about our live and in-person event that is coming up in September of 2022. If you're here listening to this podcast after September 2022, you can still go to that link and find out when our next one is going to be because this is our annual event that we put on every year. And I am just so excited about it because number one, it's another way that I get to see you and meet you in person and 
give you a hug, and then we get to go a little bit deeper on your story. And then you get to hear really powerful stories from other women who will be taking the stage to share their story. Um, and, you know, what's such an important thing to do and something that I'm a huge cheerleader for. And I want you to experience that. Plus, we're just going to be eating some good tacos and enjoying the San Antonio Riverwalk and just getting to be together in community, which community is so important um, to me and to so many of you. And that's one of the things that is the foundational principles of light beamers is being in community together as we share our stories okay that's it that's a wrap we'll see you next time on the inside story podcast thanks babe for being here talk to y'all soon i hope you enjoyed today's episode don't forget to give it a review and share this broadcast out with your friends and family now did listening to this episode make you think more about your own story Are you wondering which parts of your own story are relevant to share with others? This is the question I get asked more than any other. How do I share my story? Which parts of my story are worth sharing with other people? How can I make my story relatable so that others can benefit from it? I've taken my simple process that I've used for years as a journalist and broken it down into a three-part storytelling formula that will help you discover the key components of your own story and how to share it. It's a free resource I've created to help you become a light beamer by sharing your story. Simply go to www.lightbeamers.com and click on the big yellow button on the home page to download your story formula. I'd love to hear your story too, so be sure to join my free community on Facebook, the Light Beamers community, and share your story with me. I can't wait to learn more about you and the story that's inside of you. In the meantime, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you can get notified when our next broadcast is live. You will want to stay tuned to the stories we are lining up for you next. I promise they are so good. As always, Light Beamers, I'm over here cheering for you. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.